for a moment, let's take a training scenario where you've actually made a recommendation using a handout or any other medium, or even without a medium, and the advisor, of course, after hearing your recommendation, whatever that recommendation might be, it might be that we meet again and discuss this further. It might be that they take action, that they reallocate assets, that they examine a new opportunity, whatever the recommendation is. There's only four possible responses that a person can have to any recommendation. This continues to show that we're not dealing with some arbitrary collection of best practices. It is not a bunch of good ideas. That instead, what we're dealing with is a consistent, verifiable process that gives us the possibility of being able to take actions that are most predictably successful. What are the only four possible responses you can get when you make a recommendation? The reality is a person can either say yes, no, ask a question, or the fourth option is to give you an objection. All objections are a form of maybe. All objections are a form of maybe. I don't care how seemingly intractable the objection is. At the end of the day, the person would have said no if it was a no. They gave you an objection because there's some level of inner conflict. Let's be realistic. If I said to you right now, do you mind if I kick you in the shins? I don't think you'd go, well, let me check with my wife. Or let me see how the market's doing. I think the answer would be no. Realistically, how often do you just get a straight no? Nothing else added. No other story. Just no, right? Let's be real. Statistically, the number of no's that you get are quite low. Statistically, you get a lot more maybes than you do no's in your line of work. Now, the question is, is there a way to handle objections that is predictably successful? I'd like you to pay very close attention to the process I'm about to walk you through. Not surprisingly, one of my most popular presentations in front of advisors is actually the handling of objections. The reality is that even the largest producers, unfortunately, fall prey to the same mistakes because the mistakes are not based on level of production or level of expertise. The mistakes are based on a lack of knowledge of communication skills, or shall I say training. The reality is that many of those individuals have not been trained in the way in which I'm referring to training, that many of them don't have a coach, and quite frankly, let's be realistic, few of them practice. It would be very difficult to really be as good as you could be without training, practice, and coaching on this fundamental and critical skill set. I'd like you to think for a moment about what's your least favorite objection. When I give my keynote presentation, I always begin with a benchmark, just like in sports. If you came to me and said, hey, coach, you know, I, I want to be better at playing tennis. I, I'd like you to coach me on tennis. The first thing I say is, hey, let's hit some balls. I, I'd like to see you play. You come to me and you say, hey, coach, I want to work on my golf swing. I'm like, okay, let me see you hit some balls. Let me see your swing. The first place to begin is always with a baseline. So I ask you now to think about what is your least favorite objection. Now, if you get that objection in mind, and there are many that people find challenging, things like, you know, that sounds good to me. Um, let me think about it. Or, you know, the timing just doesn't seem right. 
or geez, let me check with my team or, you know, let me check with my dog. With all due respect, whatever the objection is, I'd like you to now think about the typical way in which you handle it. Suppose someone said to you, look, I'm fine. I don't see any reason to make any changes, so currently I'm not interested. Usually what we do is we give them some sort of response or counter as a way of actually handling the objection. We might start listing off the number of reasons why they should be interested. Typically, it'll sound something like, you know, I can appreciate what you're saying. But if you take a look at the way this portfolio or the way this asset class performs, you'll notice that. And then we'll give them some sort of pithy argument. The reality is, is what we just did is just that. Yeah, a pithy argument. We started an argument. Come on, let's be realistic. How often after you give the individual whatever pithy response you typically give them, do they say, you know what? You're right. I was so wrong. I take it back. I'm now interested. Come on. How often does that really happen? What is the actual conversion ratio that you have using that pithy response? Well, look, certainly it's better than having nothing to say, but fundamentally, here's what happens. The person gives us an objection. Then what we do is we counter. They don't just roll over and go, you're right. What they do instead is they counter our counter. Then what we do is counter their counter to our counter. Then at that point, they raise the frustration factor either covertly or overtly, at which point we know that this could become somewhat unprofessional or overtly antagonistic. And so we bail with a, let me send you some literature, or maybe we should get back together about this at another time. The reality is we're bailing. I'd like to pick on the men because we're such an easy mark. You go home, your wife says to you, you know what? You're so selfish. You're so self-absorbed. All night, all you talk about is yourself and your work. What do we say? You know, guys, you know what we say. Baby, how can you say that? Just this weekend, I brought you flowers. We went on date night. Why do you always end up sleeping on the couch? Let's review. Your wife raised an objection, and your response was tantamount to saying, you don't have a right to have that objection. May I translate for you? You're wrong. The reality is you're making your wife wrong. You're invalidating your wife or your husband the same way that you invalidate the advisor. This is not intentional. It is habitual. As a human being, you have two options. You either have a training pattern or a habit pattern. If you haven't been trained, then you have a habit pattern. When it comes to this aspect of communication, our habit is to be defensive, and it is not effective. The skill set that would work most consistently and most powerfully is not necessarily intuitive. The person says to you, look, right now things are fine the way they are. I don't see myself making any changes. Currently, I'm just not interested. What we would actually do next is replay what the person said. The first thing that we want to do is demonstrate understanding, that we understand them. Why would we do that? Do you know that a person will never allow you to change their mind if they don't think you understand their mind? When someone says, look, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm just not interested. Everything's fine the way it is. I don't see myself making any changes. The very first words out of our mouths should be to replay what they said. That might sound like, you know, given the fact that everything's fine and you like the way things are, 
you don't see yourself making any changes. The next step is that the person will then verify what you said, which shows how predictable this is. Well, you know, this very simple sequence is very different than what we currently do. In fact, if we were to play this out in one's personal relationships using the same example I said before about your wife, if your wife said to you, you know what? You're so selfish. You're so self-absorbed. All you talk about all night is yourself and your work. What we should do rather than countering and invalidating our spouse is demonstrate understanding. Instead, what we should say is, so all night, all I've done is talk about myself and my work. I've been incredibly selfish and incredibly self-absorbed. I like to poke fun at people and say, of course, if you did do that, if you did say it that way, your wife would think you must be having an affair because your wife knows you don't respond that way. Your wife knows that you get defensive. Essentially, by replaying, what we're doing is demonstrating understanding. It's no different than when I said to you earlier, the cat landed on the floor. The reality is, you don't know what color the cat is. You don't know what kind of floor it landed on. You don't know what I mean when I say that everything's fine. You actually don't know what I mean when I talk about interest or not being interested. The reality is, you will plug into my words your meaning, your cat, your floor. But that's not the same as understanding me. Do you know that just the mere fact that you would make the effort to understand me begins to build affinity, a sort of deepened rapport, as opposed to creating a condition of antagonism, you versus them? Now, once again, to show you how predictable this is, or shall I say, how structured communication is. Essentially, when the person hears you replay, what they will actually do is listen. They're bound to listen because they want to see if you got what they said. They don't even see that they're actually being drawn into a conversation. They think somehow they're actually getting out of the conversation. Hmm. Far from it. Clearly, this also has the person lower their defenses and begins to create subtle levels of agreement. There are many factors that begin to work in our favor when we operate this way. Notice that when we verify, there's only three possible responses they can have to that. Right? They can say, yes, that's exactly what I meant. Or they can say, no, you misunderstood me. Or they can say, yeah, but I understand that you've got a job to do. It doesn't matter. The reality is if they say anything other than yes, you need to replay whatever they then said until you get a yes. The bottom line is we only proceed based on agreement. This is how we're able to have a predictable impact on the person's mind. The very next thing, of course, is what we would normally think as, okay, now it's my turn, right? Now I get to go in and give them my pithy response. Not, not yet. Not, not yet. There's another key element of this communication cycle, and we refer to that element as acknowledgement. I have to admit that most advisors do use acknowledgement, and many of you may also use acknowledgement. Typically, though, it's used in the wrong way. As a matter of fact, the way that most people use it, unfortunately, it can even be offensive. What do I mean by that? So far, the sequence that we've been examining is objection first, 
Then the next step is we replay. The very next step is they verify. And then we acknowledge. Think of it like a ping pong match. What do most people do? They go straight from objection right to acknowledgement. What does it sound like when a person goes from an objection straight to an acknowledgement? Let's hear what that sounds like. If I'm the advisor, I say to you, look, right now, I like things the way they are. I don't see myself making any changes. I'm, I'm just really not interested. And what do I say? If I go straight from objection right to acknowledgement, well, look, I can appreciate what you're saying, but, or I can give you the other version, which is, look, I can understand what you're Let me ask you a question, seriously. Suppose a friend of yours said to you, hey, look, I agree with you, but here's what you know. They didn't really agree with you. In fact, if you think about it, if you say to someone, I can appreciate what you're saying, but you're actually lying because you don't appreciate what they're saying. Now, this happens wicked fast. They may not know what happened. All they know is they don't like you. Rather than using the habitual phrase of I understand or I appreciate and using them early in the sequence, which can occur as disingenuous, what we want to do now is use it at this point in the sequence, later in the sequence. The way the sequence runs is objection, replay, verify, acknowledge. That'll sound like, look, everything's fine. You know, I don't see myself making any major changes. I I really just don't want to waste your time. So realistically, you're saying that everything's fine. You don't see yourself making any changes, and apparently you're not interested. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. You know, I really want to thank you for being upfront with me. Or instead of saying, I really want to thank you, we might say, you know, I really want to acknowledge you for letting me know how you're feeling about your current investment situation. One of the reasons for acknowledging the person is because you want to keep them continuing the dialogue with you. Now, for them, they think that by basically verifying your replay and saying, yeah, that's what I said, that that means the dialogue is over. Far from it. The acknowledgement is also a portion of the communication process where a person is bound to listen because who doesn't like to be acknowledged? I mean, realistically, if I called up your spouse and asked your spouse, do you feel like your husband acknowledges you way too much? How many spouses do you think would say, you know what? I'm glad you asked that because there's like there's way too much acknowledgement going on in my household. My husband needs to dial that down. And of course, ladies, I'm talking to you as well. I just pick on the men because we're an easy mark. Now that we have the sequence and its transitions, I'm going to move into the skill that will close out this conversation, which we refer to as reframing. Reframing is a way of describing a technique for changing a person's mind. That's what you're doing. You're changing a person's mind. A rebuttal or counter is great in a court of law. It's great if you're on a debate team. Just not so good in your marriage and definitely not so